time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thrivology Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking once again with David Wood. David and I had a conversation about how you can play for real some time ago. And David is a successful entrepreneur, but he has gone beyond that to help people figure out how to really plug into life in ways that are truly meaningful for them. But today we're having a different conversation because David has decided to be an evangelist for tough conversations. Now, when I say tough conversations, you know, those are the ones where you're not quite sure what to say, but you know something has to happen. You know that there's something in that relationship that's stuck. Maybe it's with a loved one. Maybe it's uh, with a family member. Maybe it's just with a friend or maybe it's at work with a boss or a subordinate or even a peer and you're holding back. Well, what David talks about is the fact that when we don't have those tough conversations, they keep us stuck. And so what we do is we avoid it, even though it becomes a bigger and bigger thing along the way. It makes us feel awkward to face those things. And so instead of doing that, we go for comfort. And instead of dealing with it, we're afraid of the outcome. But we have to have those tough conversations. So today, Dave and I are going to talk about some parts of how to have those tough conversations, why to have them, but really a four-step, and I'll I'll give you a little hint, there's even a secret first step before those four steps. So there's a zero step, and then we're going to talk about step one, two, three, and four on having those tough conversations And then we're going to share a resource with you to help you walk right through those tough conversations for yourself. So let's now have a conversation with David Wood. So David, it's pretty rare when I have somebody back on. Uh, So this is a fun experience for me because we're going to be talking about something different. Last time we were talking about playing for real. Now we're going to go tough. (laughs) So uh, many things in life are all about those tough conversations that we sometimes manage to skirt. And so today, uh, David and I will be talking about what those tough conversations are and a four-step blueprint to get through those tough conversations that you have. So, um, David, first of all, uh, thanks for being back. And second, let's talk about what you mean by the tough conversations. Thanks, Lee. I'm glad to be back. What I mean, the tough conversations are the conversations we're avoiding. They're the conversations you don't want to have. They're the conversations with your partner with your, your kid, with a parent, with a friend, with a coworker, with your boss that feels awkward or scary. And in fact, it may not even appear to you as a conversation because the mind just goes, well, we're not doing that. I'm not going to talk to my boss about a raise. I'm not going to talk to my partner about cheating with my partner 15 years ago because I'm going to lose them. I'm not going to tell my kid about something I'm embarrassed about because my kid won't respect me. We are, the brain doesn't even present the conversations to us. We just experience some frustration, some tolerations. We get maybe resentment. We get a little smaller. We're less self-expressed. We're less connected. And I don't want that for myself or anyone. 
So I'm an evangelist for tough conversations and it's all about playing for real. I kept looking at like, what does play for real mean for me? Cause it's quite a broad topic and one, and I've been talking about truth, daring and caring for, for a long time with play for real. Well, guess what? Tough conversations need a lot of truth. Mm. They need a lot of daring and they need a lot of caring. So I think I've found my perfect vehicle for the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah, so for listeners, if you did not catch my first conversation with David, that's what we talked about. Uh, we talked about truth, daring, and caring, and uh, there's a link to that so you can kind of catch up and make sure you know what that was about before we jump in here. So as you were mentioning those tough conversations, um, it, it occurs to me that there may be several reasons why someone would avoid that conversation. Can you talk some about what blocks those conversations, why we don't have them? Yeah. Well, we're, we're trained to go for comfort. We're creatures of comfort, and I'm one of them. So, you know, if the temperature is a little bit too cold, we just go and we turn the heater up. Um, not many of us will have cold showers or jump in an, an icy river because it's uncomfortable. And the same goes for emotional comfort. If, if, if I'm worried that a conversation with, with my partner is going to trigger her, and have her get angry or defensive, maybe even start attacking me, then that's a tough conversation. I don't want to feel like that. So I might, I might just say I'm not going to rock the boat. Mm. And, and this unfortunately has become a habit for most of us where we don't rock the boat and we just go along with it. And instead of taking perhaps a short amount of pain, ripping the Band-Aid off, and then allowing healing or finding out that it's really not a tough conversation at all. We just needed to speak up. We just go along for sometimes years staying quiet. I, I coached someone when I was first getting into coaching whose husband had an affair 10 years earlier and she'd been using that to control him and dominate him. And then we find out as we go deeper that she had an affair 10 years earlier too, but she hadn't told him that piece. So she had this huge confession carried out with her. Mm. Now, that's a tough conversation, saying to your husband, I'm sorry for making you wrong and uh, holding this over your head for 10 years. I did the same thing, and I realized you may want to divorce me and try and take the kids. But I want to tell you anyway because I do love you. I want more love in our relationship, and, and I'm here to apologize. Mm. That's a tough conversation. But let's not carry those things around. Let's, let's, let's look at what's uncomfortable about it. And I have a process that we can take people through. But basically, you're looking for the profit. What's the gain that could come out of the conversation? Generate that. What's your hope? In her case, it was that we have more love in our relationship and I can stop carrying around this guilt that's killing me. And then what's the fear? Fear is you might leave me and, and, and might even try and keep the kids away from me because I'm a horrible person. And then consider, is the gain, the potential gain, higher than the potential risk? And are you willing to take that risk? So if we step back for a minute, you, we talked about what we're, um, why we don't have those tough conversations. Your first one was we have a natural tendency for comfort. The second one was kind of embedded in what you just talked about, that we have fear. So there's the, uh, just to be comfortable, but also the, I don't, I don't want to step into something that's fearful. Yeah. And 
I'm glad you reminded me to complete the answer because uh, another reason we don't want to have that conversation is a fear of loss. So we could lose something. Um, so yeah, we could feel uncomfortable, but also if, if we make a confession to our partner that we cheated and when I was 18 years old, I had that conversation. It was a miserable experience. Um, we risk that we could lose our partner. Mm-hmm. Partner might divorce us or break up. If we've got kids, there could be issues there. There could be financial consequences. It could cost me $100,000 in divorce fees. Um, if it's a confession of some kind that, like you broke a law, you could be risking your freedom. I've coached a client who, um, who burgled a house when he was a teenager and went back and, apo- and confessed and apologized and risked prosecution. So he's risking his, uh, his uh, reputation and risking his freedom. I too, when I was younger, I did something I wish I could take back. I can't. And after 20 years, I went and tracked down the person and confessed and say, I, I did this. It was illegal and I'm sorry. I want to check for impact. Turned out things were good, but uh, I could have been prosecuted and I could have gone to prison. So there are good reasons Sometimes while we don't have tough conversations, if we tell our boss we screwed up, we might get fired. Now, maybe it's only a 3% chance, but the mind doesn't always weigh up the probability. The mind just is scared because it could happen. Mm. So there are good reasons that we haven't had the tough conversations. I just think we haven't looked at the gain and the hope of what could come out of those. And I want us to look more at that so we can weigh it up and then decide, am I willing to risk this for my own self-expression, to feel good about myself, um, to speak up and be a leader in my own life, which I think are all good reasons to speak up and to be more deeply connected with the person that I want to have that conversation with. You know, I, I remember it's, I think it was Seth Godin uh, years ago that talked about the fact that humans have a tendency uh, to um, stay on the rack versus risking the guillotine, <laughs> the rack of slowly being stretched apart <laughs> where, wow. you know, that, and, and, and there's the risk of guillotine. There's a risk of sudden ending it all, but we would choose the, the rack over the possibility of the guillotine. And yes, that's where what is describing. It, it is. I really love that. And I'm going to look for that quote. Um, I think I've switched my orientation that I, I can't stand the rack. Mm. And so I would rather it done now. I don't like anything that could bite me on the ass. Um, if it's a confession or if it's something that's, that's just, you know, dragging on, let's get it done. And maybe I'll lose something now, but it'll be quick. I had, um, an issue with a couple of potential business partners recently where I wanted them to do more. I wanted them to step up and to produce more. And I didn't want to have the conversation because I thought they might get defensive and uh, I thought it could be a train wreck. But the thing that convinced me to have the conversation was the thought that this is a pressure cooker and the pressure is going to keep going up for me. My frustration is going to just keep increasing. So best to have it now while it's not a big deal than in a month when I'm really pissed. And so I did, we had the conversation, we opened it up and now we have um, clearer accountabilities. And in our weekly meetings, I ask for things. Who would be willing to do this? Could we set this as a target? And we, and we actually do it and now we're in action. So I got, I got responsible 
out of having that conversation. So it's interesting, um, just as I track along here, um, the reality is using that pressure cooker kind of mindset or thought process that tough conversations only get tougher the longer they're allowed to kind of fester and build. And sometimes we probably could look back, for instance, if you'd had that conversation at the very beginning, you know, with those people about clear expectations that, that then a little bit later is simply a reference to, hey, I thought we had an expectation rather than, oh my yeah. gosh, I have to confront them. You know, I have to step into this in a, in a stronger way that it's almost a matter of that pressure. The longer it builds, the more powerful it is and the more dangerous it becomes uh, or certainly feels like it becomes when the pressure um, is opened. Agreed. I have heard the advice, don't wait when it comes to time. And I, I mean, I can go both ways on this because sometimes it's like, let's just get it done so that I don't keep on, keep, keep on uh, torturing myself on the rack right? Let's just get it done now. But then there are other th times when I've been like, yeah, I just don't feel ready to have it. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, it's there in my consciousness and I'll put it off and then eventually the inspiration will come and, uh, and I reach out. So I kind of trust that process too. But I think for most of us, I, after a lifetime of putting it off, I would definitely say, do it today, reach out, say, hey, can we talk? Uh, and, and I can, I can give you, um, we have a giveaway at the end of the call and we can give you guys the four step tough conversations blueprint. So you'll be guided. You don't have to do this alone. You can yeah. prepare and you can go through it step by step. Um, but definitely earlier is better. So it's it, the other piece of that, the earlier is better piece, um, is interesting. You and I, before I hit record, we're talking about tolerations, you know, the, the things that we put up with. And I, I think a lot of times these tough conversations, come out of the things that we didn't even realize that they were just, oh, you know, there's that thing and you maybe didn't even become aware of tolerating it until suddenly you've been tolerating it so long that you, the energy is now starting to build. And so those, some of those conversations are not going to happen earlier just because they haven't hidden, hit a, a critical mass. And so I think part of the, our conversation is about, you know, how long do we allow the critical mass to build once, once it's there? Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a couple of points. One is we often don't know what our tough conversations are. Um, it, it could be subconscious we just know that we don't feel good uh, about this person or we don't trust them as much as we used to or we're, we're gossiping is a good clue. If you're gossiping at work about your boss or complaining about anybody to somebody else, that's a great clue that there might be a tough conversation here. And the worksheet, um, and we, you know, we won't tease you guys, we can go through some of the material, but if you download the worksheet, it'll take you through it and you'll start to get clear, oh, this is my truth. This is what's bugging me. This is my fear of having the conversation. This is my hope. That clarity can be gold and make the conversation way easier for you. Yeah, so you point out the fact that whenever we're leaking energy away in some way, which um, a systems person would call that creating a triangle, you know, there, you and I have a beef and instead of me settling with you, I go talk with somebody else. I've created a triangle of bringing a third person in and it's always a sign that we are diverting energy away from where it really needs to be. Uh, and so if you find yourself talking about somebody who is not in that conversation, 
um, I think what David is saying is that's a guarantee that you are uh, bleeding energy because you're uncomfortable. And uh, that may be a sign that there's a tough conversation behind it. Yeah, unless it's positive. You know, if you're talking about how great somebody is, although this still applies, you might want to go and tell that other person how great they are yeah. so they can get it. Yeah, I like this triangle uh, systems theory. Yeah, yeah. So the, the idea is that the first stable relationship, which is different than the first healthy relationship, but the first stable relationship constellation is three. It's kind of like a stool. You know, if you've got two two legs on a stool, you're going to be balancing it. It's not going to be standing. You put the third one there and it suddenly balances because there's a place to go with conflict and wow. you can manage the conversation. That doesn't mean it's a healthy one. It just means it stabilizes right. The conflict, right? And, and the magic of that is that we're all born into a triangle. We enter into the scene, usually with two parents, or even if they have gone their separate ways, we're entering into a three-point conversation very often we become wow. you know so parents who are in conflict have a child and they they suddenly start focusing on that that sweet little child but that child has become a diversion for the energy right. so we naturally have an inclination to be in these triangles without finishing out the confrontation of it without yeah it. that's that's good i think the triangle is healthy if you use that third uh leg to get clear like you might talk with someone, maybe you're complaining and then you catch it and go, oh, you know. And if you're talking to a positive person, uh, for example, a coach um, or just a, a friend who's switched on, they might say, have you considered talking to them about this and how could you do it? And then you work out, oh, that's the conversation I need to have. Yeah. So I think that can be healthy as long as you do address the core issue and not, as you said, just divert keep diverting energy away from it. It's stable, but not particularly healthy. And it leads to uh, disconnection. Yeah. In not fact, connected. so uh, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later, but there are two relationships that are um, created to be triangles that are for something good, which are as a therapist or a coach. I mean, those two places, you're reaching out to somebody saying, you know, I'm having a hard time here. What we tend to do with uh, people is find people who agree with us. Yes. yes. So, you know, I'll find someone who's going to go, yeah, David is a jerk. You're right. <laughs> Not the one who's going, well, it sounds like you're a jerk and you need to go have a conversation. We, we rally our forces, um, yeah. but that's different. It, it, as long as it's a good therapeutic relationship or a coaching relationship, that therapist or coach is going to say, hey, let's process this a little bit, but only so you can go back and re-enter into that conversation and complete it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is really having this tough conversation. So yep. let's talk a little bit. First, let me just throw one more thing in there. I don't, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with uh, Scott Peck's work with community building. but he No, let's talk about Scott. And also, um, I, I've got a top 10 list of examples too, so that people could, because people might be thinking, well, I don't have any tough conversations, but sometimes when we come let's up with Let's do examples, that first. Let's okay. do the top 10, and I'll come back to Scott Peck. All right, good. So bring in, oops. Where is, here it is. So the top 10, top 10 in relationship, because I've got a, got a top 10 at work as well. Um, I want more sex. I want something specific sexually. I want less sex. <laughs> I'm worried I'm not enough. 
I want you to change your behavior. Something you do bugs me. I have a confession. I want to break up. I'm not happy in our relationship. I don't trust you. I feel like you don't trust me. I feel hurt by something you did. I want an apology. I broke an agreement. You broke an agreement. Or I think you might have lied about something and I want to check in with you about it. Mm. Uh, I want you to take better care of yourself. I want, I need you to spend less. Um, I think that, I think that gives sets a lot pretty well. What do you think? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, I've heard those. Um, unfortunately, often by the time I hear them, their head they're they've got so much energy behind them that they blast through their partner with that, you know, and yeah, it's the pressure no, cooker. Yeah. It's it no longer right a conversation. Up. It is actually an accusation. Yeah. And that conversation, the accusation only takes, you know, that pressure to ratchet it up. Yeah. And accusation is a way to create a train wreck mm. of a tough conversation. Yeah. Um, the four steps we'll go through will, will, will help people to not do that. That yeah, will be so a useful it. tool because uh, everybody has those pieces um, where they want something different and want something better and no way of understanding how to get there. Um, so let me come back to Scott Peck for a second, because then I want to talk about these four steps. So Scott Peck talks about community building, and I use the same idea in intimacy building, um, that we all go through four steps. And for community, for me, community is just intimacy built around a lot of people. And intimacy is really between two people. So a couple, for instance, is building intimacy, a group of people building community. And so he, he says the first step, and this is, this is going to be one, David, that I think it's is most important. He says, we live in pseudo intimacy or pseudo community is his word minus pseudo intimacy. We live in pseudo community where we pretend that everything is okay. We pretend that we agree on everything and we pretend that uh, everything is just kind of, you know, good. And so if you go into um, a company and, you know, we're all on the same page and we all share the same mission and we all believe the same thing, it's impossible for that to be true. And what it hides are those tough conversations because a tough conversation immediately breaks off pseudo community. You know, the, the only way pseudo community or pseudo intimacy and pseudo intimacy between a couple is, hey, look how we're just alike. And then somebody says, yeah, I don't think that, <laughs> you know, and then all bets are off. Um, and so I think that's where it fits into this, um, this place for you. Uh, when there's not a tough conversation, they're going to exist in pseudo community. They're pretending Agreed. that they're, and so there's no depth to it. Um, the other three, um, just quickly, I'm not going to go through them, are uh, chaos, emptiness, and then intimacy. And my guess is that that chaos and, and emptiness part may be tied into what happens as you're going through the tough conversation only to come out on the, the end of it with true community or through, or at least the possibility of true community or the possibility of true intimacy. That's the, the profit point that you talked about. That what do I get out of it? To actually yeah. have a genuine conversation, actually have a genuine relationship out of this. Yeah. yeah, I like this pseudo-community, pseudo-intimacy. We could also call it people-pleasing, fake niceness, not rocking the boat, these kinds of things. But the person doesn't get to know who you are. 
and you don't get to know who the other person really is. And I, I, that just seems like bullshit to me. So my, my job is let's, let's stop doing that. And uh, it's scary. You know, it's scary. It takes some daring and it takes courage to say, I'm not, I don't want pseudo intimacy. Let's go for real intimacy and start practicing speaking about the tougher topics. I do promise you it gets easier. If so, you keep doing it, it will, it will get easier to talk about those tough topics. We've got atrophied muscles for the <laughs> tough conversation, yep. right? We got to yeah. start again. So let's talk some about the um, the the step the four step process. Yeah. Um, so All right. where well, do we start? Well, step zero really is to prepare. So so before you even get to the the, the four step blueprint, you want to prepare, and there's a worksheet for that. And the the outline of that is pick a person that you've got some issue with. You don't feel a hundred percent wonderful with, with them. Could be coworker, partner, could be, you don't feel like an issue with a kid. And, and then what's your hope? Like what would be an ideal outcome from a conversation? What's your fear or concern? And then are you willing to risk that? You got to be willing to risk it, Right. If you're not willing to risk it, then don't have the conversation or get coaching until you are. Um, You'll get clear on, do you have a request? Is this something you could ask for instead of just sharing your feelings? Here's what I'm feeling. This is what's happening. And this is what I would ask. Are you a yes, no, or something else? Um, So there's more in the worksheet that I think that's, that's the gist of it. And then once you have that info, you're now armed, ready to go and, and, and have it. The first step in having the conversation is to get permission. Hmm. You don't just walk in and say, yeah, I cheated on you five years ago. Or, you know, I really don't like Italian food. I just go because you like it. <laughs> you don't just start with that. You want to get permission. And here's a great line you can use for any tough conversation. Hey, do you have five or 10 minutes for a potentially awkward yet possibly interesting conversation? Now that sets a time frame to it. So it's not, Hey, do you have five hours or, Hey, I'm going to talk to about, talk to you for you know hours about this. And it puts it on the table. This is potentially awkward. Yep. It, it shows a little vulnerability, you know, it's like, this could, this could be awkward, but also it could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now that might not be enough to enroll some people They might be like, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty busy. So I include in step one is share your hope, share your hope or intention. You know, my hope out of this conversation is that we'll feel closer as a couple and feel even more in love, for example, mm. or my hope is that I can stop worrying about this thing and just release it so I can relax when I'm with you and be more present. Right? So you, you're enrolling them, you're selling the conversation. And that's part A is ask permission and part B, let them know your hope for it. Yeah. You, you said that to me, I'm, I'm going to be a yes. And that's certainly, you know, if they're hearing this conversation and they know, and most people know there's something that's been, you know, un, the undercurrent. Uh, if it's, for instance, talking with a spouse, you, know, you say, hey, do you have uh, five to 10 minutes for potentially awkward, but possibly interesting combo? And they're going, they're going to tell me they don't love me. They're going to tell me they want a divorce. And you're taking that away and saying, you know, I think this might 
lead us to be at a closer point. We might have more love. You just turn the fear around, uh, at least into curiosity. Exactly. And you're telling them what's in it for them. This Mm -hmm. is basic sales. It's basic leadership. Uh, it's basic influence. Tell them what's in it for them. This is a plus in doing the worksheet. You worked out what's in it for you and you and them too. That's why you do the worksheet. Cause before that, it's like, I don't want to have that conversation. No, enroll yourself by creating a hope or an intention. Mm. Yeah. Step two is, and this is optional, but this is where you can share your fear or concern. Say my, my concern or fear in having this conversation and what's delayed it is I'm worried you might get upset with me. I'm worried you might get angry. I'm worried you might not want to be my partner anymore. If I'm really honest, this is there's a lot of vulnerability, vulnerability in this and you you're letting them know that this is kind of a raw situation for you. If you just come in and try and tough it out, have a tough conversation and pretend that it's not tough for you or I would not want to be you. Mm. Yeah. You're creating an empathetic um, environment for this to take place. It's true. And as, and and a simple way to say it too, is you're being real, Mm -hmm. being real and vulnerable. Now it's helped me so much. You know, when I called this guy, I had a tough conversation with a guy that I felt used to bully me in school and I called him 20 years after school. That was a tough conversation. And I couldn't do it. And my coach said, what are you afraid of? I said, I'm, away. I'm afraid he's going to think I'm a dickhead. Mm. And she said, then tell him that. That alone gave me access to calling him because I could be honest and just be like, I just think you're going to think I'm a total dickhead for calling you 20 years after school and bringing this up. And it, it made us related straight away. He got curious. He's like, wow, well, tell me, what do you got? And so we had the conversation. So this is a big one, step, step two. You don't have to do it all the time. Sometimes I, I just name it for myself and then I gloss over it and I feel like I can handle it without doing it. But if it's a really vulnerable thing, I have to say it so that they know where I'm coming from. And, mm. and also sometimes people will give you, cut you a bit more slack. Like if you say I'm worried about you getting angry, they may not get angry now because you've said it. You've preempted it. If you say I'm worried, yeah, if you say I'm worried about you, you might get defensive or that you, you might not fully hear me out. I might not be able to get it all out. You've kind of preempted it. They're like, oh, all right. Very good. So what's step three? Step three, now's, now's your chance to tell them what it is. Hey, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, feeling frustrated by the, by the house seems messy to me when I come home and I'd love to come home to a tidy home. And I'm wondering if you might be willing to help me with that. Hmm. We share the issue. And what I like about that issue is the way you just stated it is the issue being my perception of it, not (laughs) what's wrong with you. You know, you're, you're a horrible housekeeper. I can't believe how horrible you are at this. Right. I come in and I've, I've been working all day and, and it, uh, the place is a mess. You're saying it feels to me like. Yeah. So the, the, in the worksheet and the blueprint are a bunch of pro tips. Right? And one of the tips is what you just said, which is own your own experience. Use a lot of I statements. Uh, I just said my experience, right? Because it's inarguable. That cannot be argued. Now, if I say 
you know, you've been leaving stuff lying around the house, look out. Mm-hmm. If I say it seems to me mm-hmm. that things are out of place, uh, not saying they are, but it seems to me, and I'd like it to be this, and I slipped in a request uh, on the fly there. I said, I wonder if you'd be willing to help me with that. Haven't got to the exact request, but we might work it out together. Yeah. So in the process, I mean, it's hard, it's easy to argue reality. It's harder to argue with somebody's perception of reality. You know, I can tell you how I see things and you may not like it, but it's my perception. If, yeah. we're, if I'm saying this is what's real, you're going to try to convince me it's not real. Yeah. Well, it gets very tricky when you try, guys try to, when everyone tries to get agreement on reality mm-hmm. because you've got your version of reality. I've got my version of reality and they don't always meet. So if I just talk about my reality, perhaps we can get agreement on that, that that's my experience. We don't have to get into whether or not it's actually happening out there in the world. Um, What we're really looking for is some kind of shared reality that we can weave. But but for the sake of this conversation, we just want to stick to this is how it feels for me. This This is my world. I'm not making any claims on the real world. Let's give you my world. It's going to go way better. Mm. Okay. And then step four. Yeah. And I just want to emphasize again, we slipped yeah. into there, slipped in there, the request. I didn't just throw out the problem. I threw in a possible solution and, and a desire that I have. And, and ultimately I'd want to leave that conversation with a clear agreement. That's <laughs> me. I'm a coach, right? Step four. This is, this is one of the most important steps. This is where you get curious about their world. So you've shared your issue. Ideally, they've listened to you. So I'd say something like, thank you for hearing me out. That feels really good. And that alone makes a difference to me. Now, I want to know how this lands for you. What's it like to hear that? And what are your ideas? And this is where you negotiate. This is where you create shared reality. You weave shared reality and, and come up with some kind of agreement, they may have an idea that's better than anything you would have asked for. Mm. You have no idea and you may not get what you want. That's critical too. If you go in with, I have to get this or I'm in big trouble, that's not going to go well. And if you go in with, I just want to give my side of it and run, that's not a tough conversation. That's a tough monologue. And we don't want to do tough. Now, I, I'm guilty of it. I'm, I'm very left-brained. I think all, thought, all the process is through, and I want to engineer it so that they say yes and I get my way. Mm-hmm. I grew up learning that, and it served me well. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is practice step four and say, I really want to hear what it's like for you to hear that and, and, and what your feelings are and what you think. And this is where you go back and forth, and you really work out something. Be careful now about defending. Be careful now about inserting your world back into this. This is not that. You just get, it got your chance. This is getting their world, and then we'll see what you can weave back and forth. And this is the most important part of the whole conversation. Yeah, so, so many times I've told couples uh, or told people who are trying to deal with a couple thing that um, what they need to be careful about is the fact that both pe- everybody is um, Academy Award winning authors of a script that they have running in their mind. And they even know 
at least they think they know how the other person's going to respond. And so they start with their, their monologue, knowing Whoa. that it's going to be so convincing to the other person that the other person is going to then say exactly what they imagine them saying. And the problem with the conversation is they the other person's the got a script. <laughs> it's they, yeah. yeah. They're running That's on another great. script. So it's like two people reading, you know, two scripts at each two, other. Of different movies. At different oh, movies. That's so good. Yeah. I love that, that analogy. So big surprise yeah. when you're going, wait, that, that's not how this goes. You know? And so the fact that you're acknowledging here that you've got to be aware that they have a reality that they also need to share and you may not get what you want. You, they may get off script of your script. They're on their script. Yeah. And that what you're trying to do in the end is co-write a script together. This is the weaving shared reality yeah. that I talk about. Yeah, co-writing a script is better. A better way to say it. I really like that. Um, a black belt move, you know, if, if you feel ready for it, is, is you can even set it up at the beginning and say, I think it'll take me about a couple of minutes to get all this out. Is that okay? You know, just, just let me get it out. And then I'd love to hear whatever you've got to say. I want to know how it lands and what your ideas are. So you're kind of setting it up in advance. We're going to take turns mm-hmm. and talking. That's, that's, uh, that's one of the pro tips in the sheet as well. And then follow your own rule to, <laughs> to yeah. listen on their turn. Yeah. So those are the four, those are the four steps. Enroll, share a fear or concern, share the issue with a request if you have one, and then get curious and, uh, and negotiate. So uh, um, most people listening to a podcast are driving along, exercising, walking, doing something else. You probably did not have pen and paper, which is why David has this process outlined on worksheet. Um, David, uh, best way of getting that worksheet. And then I want you to just talk a little bit about what you're, what you're doing, how this fits in with what you're doing. So um, the best place for them to find that worksheet is where? Yeah, thanks. You can go to my website, playforreal.life. That's play for, F-O-R, playforreal.life, L-I-F-E. And you can download the four-step tough conversations blueprint right there. And we'll have uh, playforreal.life. I mean, it's easier to remember certainly than those, those really five steps, but we'll have that link in the show notes so that people can go find that under the uh, related resources. So how is this fitting in for you? What are you doing to help people have these tough conversations? Mm. Well, uh, I've, I'm restarting the weekly Zoom call, which is free. So wherever you are in the world, you can join in on a Friday and bring any tough conversation and role play it with me for free. We'll take five or 10 minutes. Uh, you can access that too on the website. And also in corporations, my mission is to transform cultures. I actually want to transform the world. And I think we can start by transforming the cultures and corporations. Unfortunately, 70% of people are avoiding a tough conversation at work. And I want to cut that figure in half. Mm. And the way I'm doing it is I've just launched a new service called Just-In-Time Tough Conversations Coaching that's available for the whole company. And let's say, you know, one employee's got an issue with their boss. They're not sure how to handle it. They don't want to go to HR, which could cause a big fuss and and cause blowback. So they book a session with a coach as soon as same day. They role-play their issue and role-play the conversation with their boss and then off they go. And they have the conversation now with skill and confidence. So I'm very excited at the just-in-time coaching. And if anyone listening is responsible for a team or a company, or you want to take more responsibility and you want to impact the culture 
and get this support for leaning into tough conversations, please go to the site playforreal.life and schedule a call with me. I'd love to talk about it. This is my, I eat, sleep and breathe tough conversations right now. And I'm super excited about this, this really new just-in-time coaching service. Very cool. David, thanks again. A reminder, that process is that that is across the board. I mean, relationships are relationships. So what David uh, outlined in those uh, four, but really five steps apply for any tough conversation, whatever yep. your relationship is. Uh, and then specifically, David's target kind of is the, the corporations who might be struggling with that. Um, David, again, uh, thank you for being here. It was a great conversation. Lots of useful tools in there. Um, make sure that if that this made sense to you to go to uh, playforreal.life and grab that. Again, David, thank you so much. My pleasure, Lee. Thank you. I learned a lot too. <laughs> Good. Thanks. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thrive.